Hey, it's Haley from the future here. I wanted to pop in really fast and let you know that this is a very old episode of mine. So please keep that in mind whenever you are listening. Please go ahead and check out some of my newer episodes because I have a ton of equipment now and I have editing software now and everything has improved quite a lot since the time of recording this episode. I have found that a lot of my negative reviews come from my older episodes, so please just keep that in mind. I am aware of the problems in these episodes, and I truly was doing the best I can. I was just recording on my iPhone, and I was editing from my phone as well, and it just really was not a great process for creating a super high-quality and produced podcast. So thank you so much for the grace that you're going to give me. I hope you enjoyed this episode and please go ahead and listen to some of my newer episodes as well. Hi everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Doe Identify podcast. My name is Haley and this episode is going to be a little bit different than my other episodes. So if this is your first time listening, I recommend going to listen to those to kind of get a good idea of what my podcast normally sounds like. Right now it is December 29th as I'm recording this and that means I would post next Thursday which would be December 31st and right now I am traveling we're visiting my in-laws and we're also visiting my family And this is like the only time I have home alone. Everyone is running errands right now and I don't have a lot of time to edit. I obviously want to spend time with my family. So this episode is going to kind of feel all feel very unedited. Normally I would cut that last part out where I just stuttered a little bit. Um, but I am just going to kind of relax and not edit very much. And then also you guys can kind of get a sense of my real personality and like feel a lot less scripted or like perfect. I'm definitely a perfectionist and I want all of my episodes to be absolutely perfect, but I'm just going to cut myself some slack. And so this episode is going to go over the cases that I'm currently following and that means I will 99% likely cover them in the future. So I have been following these cases and all of them are just so interesting to me. I'm definitely covering other cases. Anytime I hear about a new Jane Doe or John Doe, it usually sparks my interest, especially if they just like have a very innocent feel to them if that makes sense and I'll explain what I mean by that later when I'm talking about the Walker County Jane Doe and so yeah I follow many Jane and John Doe cases particularly particularly the ones that are currently being tested just because I want someone to root for them I want to be that person that is on this earth rooting for them and so that way they have somebody out there while they are not on this earth and I just like feeling like I can be that for them if that makes any sense at all maybe I'm insane who knows but I did a poll on Instagram and that is what all of my followers chose as of right now nobody has chosen the other one which was going to be the cases that have been solved which is great news and I was honestly hoping that you all would pick this episode topic because it's a really good way to kind of 
get a lot of people's information out there super fast and then also give you all an idea of who I will likely be covering in the future. So without a further ado, I'm just going to go ahead and get into it. So obviously, I literally mentioned the Walker County Jane Doe in every single episode that I cover. And I am just so incredibly passionate about her case. Like I mentioned earlier, she just has a very innocent, angsty teen feel from the stories that people say because a lot of people met her. If you don't know, she was found on I-35 outside of very, very North Houston. It literally isn't even a suburb of Houston. It's called Huntsville. She was outside of Huntsville. And there's a big college there. If you live there, you don't commute into Houston, but you might commute into the suburbs of Houston, if that makes any sense. If any of you are from a larger city, you will know exactly what I mean. But she was found on the side of the road. She had been sexually assaulted. She had a puffy lip. She had a black eye. There are post-mortem pictures of her. And I have shared a picture of her composite on my Instagram stories before. You can easily find her po- you can easily find her postmortem image online. It's not too gory or anything, but it is super sad. And a lot of people say she was probably between 14 and 20, but looking at her picture and hearing how she spoke, it really seems like she was probably in like the 15 to 17 year old age range. And she stopped at a truck stop and she spoke to a bunch of people and it just seemed like she was an angsty teen who was traveling away from her parents maybe she ran away or something that's just what it feels like to me and I have literally cried over her that sounds so silly but I have just cried thinking about how this young girl was most likely supposed to be in school and of course investigators looked in to see if there were any like missing children who matched her description and of course they found none and so her case just breaks my heart and I've sort of been foreshadowing an episode about her and the truth is the reason I haven't done it is one I'm really nervous because I want to get it 100% perfect I haven't even told you like half of the information just with me rambling right now but she just has such a crazy story and I just want to get it absolutely perfect for her and then second and I want to say this correctly because it can kind of sound snooty but I want to build my following before I cover her case of course I care about every single case that is why I made a podcast about Jane and John Doe's so that way we can all advocate for them but I just care so much about her and she was the reason I started looking into Jane and John Doe's because her case was the first one where I was like, how is nobody looking for this young girl? And so I just want to get a bigger following so I can really do her case justice. And at this point, I have only covered adults and she is in my opinion, most likely a child. And I just want to get the most exposure possible for her because she is the reason I started this passion. I give her full credit and 
I just want to have a little bit larger of a following before I cover her case. And you have to start somewhere. You have to start with other cases. And so I hope that in the future, once I get a larger following, people will go back and listen to my first couple of episodes. And so everyone can get as much exposure as possible. But I just want to get her so much exposure. And then also I want to get to the point where maybe a sheriff's maybe the Walker County Sheriff's office or the really kind person who runs the who is the Walker County Jane Doe Facebook page who is such a wonderful advocate for her I'm not sure if it's a male or female I've messaged with them a few times but obviously I'm not sure but I'm interested in interviewing them and so hopefully I can get them on but I think the easiest way to get people to come on your podcast is to have a bigger following and to have some big credibility on your side. So that's why I haven't covered her yet and that's a little bit of a background on her case. And then the next Doe that I would like to cover at some point is the Flagstaff John Doe and I Whenever I release the Mostly Harmless episode, I was stuck between the Flagstaff John Doe and the Mostly Harmless John Doe, and their cases are so similar, and I like to kind of do Jane Doe, John Doe, Jane Doe, John Doe, so that way I'm giving everyone as much coverage as possible, but his case is so similar to Mostly Harmless, and I know I can get confused because I listen to podcast as I work and if I'm not paying 100% attention to the podcast episode I can get confused between cases if that makes sense so for example if you heard my mostly harmless case and then I was talking about the Flagstaff John Doe you would probably think you're re-listening to an episode because their cases are so similar they're both hikers they're both found by themselves in their tents they're both males just have they both just have very strange circumstances around the way they passed away and it didn't seem like foul play was involved in either of them so I would love to cover the Flagstaff John Doe in an episode but I am going to wait a few weeks so that way I can kind of create distance between the mostly harmless case and the Flagstaff John Doe case then also I would like to have an update episode on mostly harmless be cover before I cover the Flagstaff John Doe I just want to get mostly harmless completely out of the way and give a case update because if you have been following his case you likely know that online web sleuths have identified him and it's honestly a really strange situation. The Collier County Sheriff's Office has not made a positive identification through DNA but everyone's kind of taking it upon themselves to identify him online and while I agree it 99% likely is him, I just think it's so incredibly wrong to create blog posts about him and just say his name and say who he was and his life story when the sheriff's office hasn't even had a chance to tell the family. And obviously in some blog posts, it does seem that they interviewed for the family, but you have more than three family members. Like even if they're like distant cousins, everyone has more than three family members. And it's the responsibility of the sheriff's office to fill them in and to say, hey, we have positively identified this man as your cousin or whoever. 
And right now it's all just in the air and it's all speculation. DNA testing takes a really long time sometimes. It's not like in the movies where you just like pop in like a few numbers and then they spit out like a confirmed match. That's not how it works in real life, unfortunately. Hopefully one day it will. But I just think it is mind-blowing to me how inconsiderate some web sleuths are and it is so disrespectful to his family. Like, can you imagine a bunch of messages coming to your Facebook being like, oh my gosh, blah, blah, blah is the one who died in the tent a few years ago. You have to read this blog post. How heartbreaking would that be if you found out that's how your twin brother passed away? It is just heartbreaking to me. But Anyways, once that DNA is positively identified, I will be doing that and I will likely use the sources that I'm referring to that I do think are disrespectful because they're published so soon. I will likely use them because they are excellent information if it truly is him, which I do think it is again, but I want to do a mostly harmless update and then I will cover Flagstaff John Doe once there's some good distance in between the two episodes so no one gets confused or anything. And then next, I would like to cover the Ventura County Jane Doe. She reminds me so much of the Walker County Jane Doe. It is absolutely ridiculous. And they were actually found just a few months apart in the same year, 1980. And they seem to be a part of the same age range. Unfortunately, the Ventura County Jane Doe is reported to be 15 to 30. And her postmortem picture is available, so brace yourself for that. It's not super gory again, but it is just disturbing to see a dead body, of course. And I do think she looks like she's either a late teenager or maybe an early 20-year-old or something, like in her early 20s. And she was also sexually assaulted unfortunately and she was pregnant with a young boy who also passed away which is absolutely heartbreaking um and she kind of has that innocence factor as well where she was a pregnant mom she was probably a younger mom and it's just horrible to think about someone anyone getting sexually assaulted but especially a pregnant woman because you know, you have that instinct in you to protect your unborn child. And unfortunately, she wasn't able to. And unfortunately, something horrible happened to the both of them. And it's just super heartbreaking. And I'm super excited because the DNA Doe Project has taken on her case. And they have made a lot of developments. Although she was found in California, she's likely connected to Southern Texas and Central Mexico. And they have uncovered a ton of last names of distant relatives that she is related to, which is absolutely so exciting. But unfortunately, she still has not been identified yet. And so in that case, which I will cover her case because she needs so much exposure right now. She needs the exact perfect person to hear her case because they'll be like, oh, I'm related to a Lopez and a Romero and a Soto. I'm going to see if I recognize her. And that is likely how her case will be solved. But I will make sure I go over all of these last names to the best of my ability. I am not Hispanic by any stretch of the imagination. So I will probably sound a little bit ridiculous trying to pronounce some of these last names because quite frankly, I haven't heard of a lot of them. And I will do my best with like Google Translate to imitate the accent to where 
it will make it easier to understand what I'm trying to say. Like for example, there's Banuelos. See, it's spelled B-A-N with the N-A mark, I believe is that is how you say that. And then the U-E-L-O-S. I have no idea if I'm saying that correctly. And I have no idea if you would even recognize that last name by the way I said it. And so I'm going to do my best, I promise. And so that will take me quite a bit of time to go through, but it will absolutely be worth it. And so please expect an episode covering her case. And in the meantime, please look at her image to see if you recognize her, if you have a missing family member who is Hispanic. And then another case I have been following for quite some time is the El Dorado Jane Doe. And this case is so fascinating to me for so many reasons, mostly because we know who killed her. That is so incredibly rare for Jane and John Doe's. Rarely you know who killed them unless it was a serial killer who was just going on a murder spree. But she was murdered by her boyfriend and her boyfriend and all of her friends knew her as Mercedes. And she had stolen so many other people's identities. And I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe it is her case where I picked up the appreciation for letting sheriff's offices handle the identification of people because this Mercedes woman stole someone's identity and the police found her identity card that she had and they contacted that person's family and said hey your daughter's dead I'm so sorry she was murdered by her boyfriend and so her family mourned her loss and then their daughter contacted them and she was like hey guys and they were like we thought you were dead this whole time like we had no idea what was happening to you and so luckily now sheriff's offices typically handle identification through DNA if they have the funds for it. If not, they will have the family identify her by looking at her body and not just by looking at the ID card that they have on them. And for that reason, I really, for the mostly harmless case, I really just feel like we should let the sheriff's office handle it. Because if it is not this man that everyone thinks it is, his family's going to be 100% heartbroken for absolutely no reason. But again, I do think it actually is him. I'm just using it as an example because that is the first example that's coming to mind right now. But anyways, so the Eldorado Jane Doe went by Mercedes to a lot of people and she stole a lot of people's identities. And she does not have her name apparently her boyfriend has no idea what her real name is which is very interesting to me i can't imagine dating someone and not having them know my name do you have the names of people that she associated with but it really sounds like she's estranged from her family and she just had her boyfriend and the friends that knew her as mercedes and so i think showing pictures of her face will likely be the best hope or for her getting identified via DNA so that way her parents or her siblings can know where she went and what happened to her and I think that will likely just be the outcome of that case but I will cover her case and her physical traits and everything revolving her story and how her boyfriend described the past few weeks of her life 
so be on the lookout for that episode and I hope you will follow this case along with me okay and then next and this will probably be the last one that I tell you that I've been following because I am following a ton and I don't want this episode to get too terribly long but I'm following the Jenkins County Jane Doe I have been following her case for quite some time and her case is just so interesting to me because her murder felt so personal and she was found in a very small town, a very rural town of like 8,000 people and she was wrapped up in some bedding that was likely hers according to investigators and it was a very personalized embroidered bedding. And so that is just so incredibly interesting to me that we still haven't found her. I feel like that bedding will be what identifies her in the long run. If her mom or cousin or somebody knows where that bedding came from, I think that will likely be what helps her. But her case is just super interesting and I hope that she gets identified one day of course I her murder was just so terribly sad to me because she was thrown away in a dumpster like she was a piece of garbage and now no one is identifying her and to me that is just so heartbreaking and I say this in most episodes but I just cannot imagine nobody looking for me if I passed away and It's just so sad to me that she was thrown away like a piece of garbage, probably by someone she knew. And that person is just holding the secret to her identity and why she had to die and who she was and her family. And they just took her whole life from her. And it's just absolutely sickening to me how she passed away. So please expect an episode about her. Today, if you want to learn a bit more about her, the Jensen and Holes The Murder Squad podcast has a really great episode on her. It's very extensive. I am currently listening to this right now to conduct some research. And so I will be citing their podcast in my episode. But if you are just really hungry for learning about Jane and John Doe's like I am, please go ahead and listen to that episode. All right, everyone, I think I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. Again, I apologize if I'm like gasping for air or saying um or something like that. In this episode, I'm going to really cut down on editing. If you don't follow me on Instagram, I use Anchor to record, edit, and distribute my podcast. And their editing software has the weirdest glitch in it. It will take certain snippets of your episode and place it in a random spot and so I'll be talking like oh yesterday I went to McDonald's my dog is doing fine and I got a cheeseburger that's a horrible example but it's just like it just sounds like mumbo jumbo and it doesn't make any sense and it's really hard to fix it because then I have to re-edit the entire podcast to fix it and It makes a huge mess on the Anchor app. If you listen to me on the Anchor app, you will know that there's different segments. And I have to title like seven second second segments. That's very hard to say. And replace them and retitle them. And it just looks like a mess. And I hate being a mess. So I'd rather just have like a podcast episode that is showing my 
faults, my flaws, and my speaking issues. And then I also have a broken nose. So if you hear lots of gasping for air as I am recording, it's because I can't breathe through my nose. I need to get nose surgery really bad. Um, and I just can't breathe. So I have to gasp for air all the time and I do my best to cut it out. But since this issue has been happening on Anchor, I'm just not able to go in and get all the nitty gritty details absolutely perfect. And so it really creates a real problem for me. Um, and it's just not the quality that I would like my podcast to be. One day when I get some amazing sponsors in a bigger following I will invest in an editor who can do all that for me and so I can continue with my full-time job and do this at the same time but for right now it's a one-girl show and I'm very grateful but once anchor gets fixed I won't have to you know have all these breathing noises and all that in my podcast anyways I hope you all enjoyed this podcast episode I I hope this gives you a good idea of what to expect from my podcast in the future and also gives you a good overview of Jane and John Doe's that I am following and that I think their cases are interesting. And of course, there are literally hundreds of Jane and John Doe's and I just don't have the time or the mental capacity to memorize all of their cases and follow along all of them. So if you have a case that's like my Walker County Jane Doe to me, can you please send it to me because I want to cover the cases that get you fired up like the way the Walker County Jane Doe fires me up. And I really want to cover what you guys want me to cover and I want you guys to be happy with who I am covering. At the end of the day, we all have different things that make us passionate about a particular case. Again, for me, it's innocence and a younger age. And for someone else, it might be, you know, a 50-year-old male that gets them really passionate about a true a true crime case. Like, how did a 50-year-old male get injured and how is a 50-year-old male not being looked for? Something like that. So please go ahead and let me know the cases you are following on Instagram. It's just Doe Identify Podcast. I am very active on there. I am constantly DMing with my followers on there. I absolutely love talking to you all. I love finding people who are kind of weird like me, who are super passionate about people who don't have names. Um, and so, yeah, feel free to give me a message on there. And I should be back next week with a normal podcast episode and I will have plenty of time to do the necessary research. Again, I'm all about quality over quantity, so I'm not going to give you a half-butted, I'm not going to cuss, a half-butted podcast episode with just very minimal information about a random Jane or John Doe that I haven't been researching as well as I could have and so that's why I just wanted to do this just the cases that I've been following and the cases I know about and so I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode if this is the first podcast episode that you have heard from me please go listen to my first three podcasts I try to make them sound as professional and as informative as possible this one is certainly not that this one is just a brief overview and i'm going to be doing very minimal editing hopefully for this one and so please go ahead and listen to those episodes so you can get a real feel of how my podcast really sounds and if you all enjoy the lack of editing on this i doubt you will because it will probably kind of feel like i'm wasting your time with all of the ums and likes and all of that 
please let me know. I'm always open to editing my podcast to how you all like it. Because at the end of the day, if you're not listening to my podcast episode, I'm not doing Jane and John Doe's justice. So feel free to give me your feedback and I will see you all next Thursday. Oh, and Happy New Year for everyone who is listening to this. This will come out on New Year's Eve. I hope you have a wonderful 2021. We all deserve, everyone on this planet deserves a wonderful 2021 after what 2020 brought us. It has been a hot mess over here, but I don't mean to jinx it or anything, but I think that 2021 has a lot of potential for being a better year than 2020. I can't even imagine what would have to happen in 2021 for it to be any worse. So let's all just pray and be super kind to each other this year and be super hopeful for what this year has to come for us. Happy New Year, everyone. I will see you all next Thursday.